You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's show, we're, we're coming upon the NL Cy Young Award announcement. It's happening on Wednesday. So I want to talk about the last time that we were in this position, the last time that we had a Reds pitcher that was close to winning the award. But before we jump into that, I did want to mention that coming up here on Thursday, going to have Cam Miller on the podcast. We're going to be talking about some dead ball era Cincinnati Reds historical stories and figures and different guys that played for those teams. Looking back in an era that I found really fascinating as a fan. I love baseball history, especially Reds history. And the dead ball era is just really fascinating to me because it was a completely different time of baseball. So I'm going to go through that with Cam Miller on Thursday's podcast. But for today, let's take a look back at a dude who was an easy fan favorite six years ago. I'm talking about 2014. I think we all remember him to a point. I kind of want to dig deep on the 2014 season of Johnny Cueto because if you look at the numbers – He's really not that far off, and and there are a lot of things, like if you go back and you look at 2014 Clayton Kershaw, everybody thought that it was a foregone conclusion. He was the best pitcher there was, and there was no need to even look at anybody else. So yeah, he garnered unanimous first place votes in the Cy Young Award voting, but Johnny Cueto had a pretty awesome 2014 as well. He pitched seven more starts and 45 and a third more innings than Clayton Kershaw did that year. It's just Clayton Kershaw was super effective with the time that he was able to pitch. Now, Johnny Cueto's 2014 was phenomenal because of the way that he got out of the gate. He started off red Hot. And it's funny because we always talk about how the Reds don't start off super hot. Johnny Cueto was amazing in the beginning of 2014. In fact, when you look at his first nine starts, I'm talking about all nine of these first starts for him, he did not pitch less than seven innings. And he had three complete games in those first nine starts, including two shutouts. Dude was phenomenal. In fact, there was only a couple of points throughout the entire season that his ERA even got above 2.2. And the highest it got was 2.33. As you remember, he he finished the season with a 2.25 ERA. Just an absolutely phenomenal year. And when you look back, so baseball savant, as far as StatCast is concerned with spin rate and all that stuff, didn't exist before the 2014 season. But they do still have like some pitch breakdowns and the statistics for each of those pitches. His changeup was absolutely nasty. Hitters had a 113 
batting average against Johnny Cueto's changeup in 2014. Now, he threw it more to left-handers than he did to right-handers, but overall he threw it 545 times, and he gave up a total of 16 hits on 545 pitches. Just absolutely phenomenal with that changeup. But even breaking it down, as far as the the pitches that he threw, hitters really only hit his slider, and he didn't throw his slider all that much. It was only 395 times, but they did have a batting average over 300. Everything else was minuscule, though. His cutter that he threw 917 times, he allowed a 203 batting average. His sinker, 191 batting average. And his four-seamer, which we all know was an absolutely phenomenal pitch that never stayed straight. Hitters hit a buck 94 against that pitch. Johnny Cueto was a phenomenal pitcher for the Reds, and I do miss seeing him pitch, especially the dreads and all that stuff. He just he always looked cool out on the mound. And that that crazy Louis Tiant looking delivery where he turns his entire body around toward second base and then delivers this amazing pitch right after that twist. Uh, John, uh, Johnny Cueto was a phenomenal pitcher to watch. And it's a bummer that he had to pitch uh, that good for the 2014 Reds. Like if you insert 2014 Johnny Cueto on like the 2012 Reds or the 2010 Reds, like can you imagine that? How good he was and with the pitchers that were around him in that season as well? Because in 2014, the Reds only won 76 games. And 22 of those wins came in games which Johnny Cueto pitched. That's how good he was. I mean, for my money, he was the team MVP that season. I mean, you can look at Todd Frazier and you can look at Devin Mesoraco and the years that they had. They weren't near as valuable as Johnny Cueto was to that team. And the fact that he came runner-up, it's just it's one of those things that as good as he pitched, it had to be a year when Clayton Kershaw was just losing his mind. And this was right at the the kind of peak of Major League Baseball's fascination with Clayton Kershaw because 2014 was the third time in four years that Kershaw had won the award. And don't get me wrong, he's always been an amazing pitcher for his entire career. But for those that stretch of years, he was on top of the sport. In fact, he coupled his Cy Young Award with an MVP award that year. That's just how good Kershaw was. So it's kind of a bummer that we look back and we say that Johnny Cueto's performance, as amazing as it was, 2.25 2.25 ERA in 243 and two-thirds innings pitched. He had 242 strikeouts, so just a shade under nine strikeouts per nine, and he had a walks plus hits per innings pitch of less than one, 0.96. Just absolutely phenomenal. And I know I'm not much on pitcher win-loss totals or whatever, but he did win 20 games that season. The Reds haven't had too many 20-game winners as of late, and Johnny Cueto was the last guy to do it. And he did it in a year where he was basically the greatest show on Great American Ballpark's turf in 2014 because otherwise the team wasn't pretty, it wasn't very good. And that was the harbinger for what would come in the botched rebuild and all that different stuff. But we look back on 2014 for one reason and one reason only, and that was the greatness of of Johnny Cueto. Hopefully here in 2020, Trevor Bauer can win the first ever Cincinnati Reds Cy Young Award because he should.
There is no better pitcher in the National League than Trevor Bauer. All right, we're going to talk about some news and notes here in just a minute. But before we do, grab yourself a Built Bar and take a bite. The thing is so amazing, isn't it? It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All of the different flavors that they have are just icing on the cake. Think of fruit. They got all the fruit flavors, raspberry, strawberry, cherry, Cherry Barcia, one of my favorites. They've also got mint chocolate brownie. They've got pumpkin chocolate chip cookie. They've got cookies and cream. They've got all the different flavors when it comes to peanut butter and different nut flavors and stuff like that. Check them out at BuiltBar.com. And enter the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. That's right, 20% off whatever your total is when you enter the promo code Locked On. On. Built Bar is amazingly delicious, but also specifically nutritious. They've only got 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of fat, and 16 grams of protein in each bar. It's an amazing snack that you're not going to feel guilty about after you eat it. So check them out at BuiltBar.com with the promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. A couple of articles have come out, whether it be The Athletic or on Reds.com from Mark Sheldon looking at some early predictions for the Reds 40-man roster, what it could look like. It's interesting because C. Trent notes under some of his players that he has on the 40-man roster prediction, the guys that he thinks could be non-tendered. Mark Sheldon, on the other hand, doesn't really mark that down. He includes guys like Brian Goodwin, Kirk Casale, Robert Stevenson, guys that we all kind of figure may not be in Reds uniforms next season. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe the Reds keep everything status quo. I kind of expect some of those guys to not be here, though, especially as they look to improve like the shortstop position, all the different guys that are out there, even beyond the the top guys that I've already talked about in DD, Marcus Simeon, and Andrelton Simmons, or trading for Francisco Lindor, which Cleveland has announced to everybody that they are open for business, and they have gotten plenty of interest around the league. New York, The Yankees are looking at them. The Cardinals are reported to be interested in him. All kinds of different teams are looking at Francisco Lindor. So his market is pretty much as big as Trevor Bowers is, especially for the fact that I think everyone is under the assumption, unless you're just a crazy rich team that can do like what the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts and throw hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars at him, I don't think you're going to be signing him when you trade for him. So most people are looking at him as a one-year fill-in. So you're talking about contenders and teams that figure to be in the playoff race already, but pretty much all of them are looking at him. And hopefully the Reds are too. He's going to be expensive to trade for. Hopefully the Reds are at least uh, a part of the negotiations. And I talked earlier about Johnny Cueto's near miss, kind of near miss, even though Clayton Kershaw was just on fire that entire year. But When you look at the history of the Reds and their near misses, there are lots of great articles out there talking about each and every one. You've got quick looks from the Blog Red Machine looking at the different players who are close to winning Cy Youngs but didn't quite get there. You've got some really good in-depth looks like C. Trent has over at The Athletic. 
I think I've said it before. Look, it's not. I'm not paid to tell you this. I just love The Athletic. And if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, then you're missing out on a lot of great coverage from C. Trent about our Reds. If you're fans of Cincinnati sports teams outside of the Reds, they've got great coverage teams like Paul Danner Jr. and Jay Morrison for the Bengals, Justin Williams for UC. They've even got some great FC Cincinnati. And if you like Xavier or whatever, they've got great stuff for that too. So check out The Athletic. But C. Trent does a great job looking back at some past Cy Young hopefuls that the Reds barely missed on. And also on The Athletic from a national baseball writer named Nick Grokey, he gives a look at MLB power rankings. Whether or not you're into power rankings, it's just kind of something fun to look at and discuss and kind of argue with other fan bases about. But he lists the Reds as is in the top 10. He has the Reds at number nine, actually one spot behind the Cubs at number eight. And a lot of that's obviously going to depend on the movements of the offseason. But he notes one big question for the team, and that is, can Nick Kroll be an owner whisperer? He says this, when Dick Williams stepped down as head boss of baseball in Cincinnati, he handed the steering wheel to Nick Kroll. The whole point of having a president of baseball operations is to put a voice in the owner's ear, to have someone with pool explain roster decisions in business speak to the guy who cares more about money than runs. The Reds don't have that now, so it's up to Crawl to build a roster and then explain why it makes sense to owner Bob Castellini. How will Crawl explain the need to re-sign Trevor Bauer? Joey Votto, for example, is an easier sell. Votto is the Reds. Bauer is different. He's a hired hand. A really good hand at the end of an elite arm, but still not a homegrown red star. Winning a Cy Young Award would help. Having a Cy Young Award winning pitcher is a cool thing for an owner to brag about at the country club. That's one issue, but maybe more importantly, the Reds need to find more offense. They had the third best pitching staff in the majors by Fangraph's wins above replacement in the 23rd ranked lineup. And there's not a lot of room for additions. The Reds have a lot going for them but they need to get busy. I agree with everything that Nick Rokey said there, and I, I can see why national baseball pundits are still on the Reds' bandwagon. They still see the potential for our Red Legs to be awesome. The important part is what do they do with this offseason? If they stand pat and they say that their situation at shortstop is fine, they can handle it with Jose Garcia or whoever else they have in-house already, And then they also don't bring back Trevor Bauer. And they say that everyone else is just going to get better in the lineup. And maybe that the bullpen will stay as good as they are without any additions. That's a hard thing to sit there and look at and say, okay, the the 2021 Reds are better than the 2020 Reds without having done anything. I I think that Nick Kroll knows this, and he's going to be busy this offseason. But like Grokey said in his article – Can he be an owner whisperer? It makes sense why the Reds had kind of split that because Nick Kroll could focus on contract negotiations and sort of the uh, day-to-day minutiae of roster building while Dick Williams handles the big picture and handles the big boss. Now Nick Kroll has to do all of that as one man. I think he's up for the task, but we're going to have to see the results. throughout this offseason. It can't just be, well, you know, we're happy with the guys that we got. I think Bob Castellini hopefully understands that the Reds are just opening up their window of contention and that they can get a little bit better and be one of the NL's elite teams. 
hopefully his pocketbook shares that philosophy. We'll see how that all goes here coming up soon. But tomorrow, we'll be talking about hopefully celebrating Trevor Bauer's Cy Young Award-winning coronation on tomorrow's podcast and more. If you've got questions, you've got reactions, get them in on the Lockdown Reds line, 513-549-0159, or hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Lockdown Reds for the show. Also, don't forget that Cam Miller will be joining us on Thursday looking at some throwback stuff for the Reds going all the way back to the dead ball era. But that'll do it for us here today. Now tell your smart device to play the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast, and I will talk to every single one of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey.